Today on the Highlight Reel, I'm gonna discuss what I'm calling the Royal Fumble. They had me in the first half, y'all. I ain't even gonna lie. <laughs> the Royal Rumble popped off and it seemed like it was a fun show in the beginning. Then it just fell off a cliff. And speaking of falling off a cliff, <laughs> Shane McMahon has quietly been let go from WWE. This story has lit up the IWC last Sunday after the rumble popped off the night before. I'm going to get into that in just a moment. Uh, apparently, Shane is responsible for the Rumble's terrible booking. I'll unpack that. The grand opening, grand closing of Brian Kendrick and AEW. Nia Jax turned down an offer for a big Royal Rumble surprise entrance. And speaking of turning down the Royal Rumble, I've got yet another update on Mustafa Ali. I've got your spicy AEW Dynamite review and more. I'm the Lalo THR here. Welcome to the Highlight Reel. I hope everybody is doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day today. Kind of windy out here in sunny SoCal. We got the Santana winds blowing, as they call them. The devil's winds. <laughs> um, this is the Dynamite Review Show. And you know what? I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm to be real with y'all. I don't have a whole lot to talk about today. So I'm going to break down the Royal Rumble. And I know it's kind of old news, popped off last Saturday, um, and there's a host of news that popped off subsequently after the Royal Rumble, including Shane McMahon supposedly being quietly released from the company. Um, now, I'm going to just say it right now, if Vince McMahon is willing to fire his own son, <laughs> ain't nobody safe. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're talking about... Obviously, with the NXT 2.0, they've been getting rid of a lot of former NXT guys who were kind of in charge. Uh, William Regal, Road Dogg, um, and others. Triple H, he's long been believed to be immune uh, or safe because he is the son-in-law to Vince McMahon, married to his daughter, Stephanie, right? But based off of this news here, if true that Shane McMahon was fired after the abysmal Royal Rumble show, then perhaps Triple H, he could be very well soon to be on the chopping block as well. Now, I don't think so, but just, I gotta, I gotta be honest, man. I don't wish nobody to lose their job, but just imagine this for a moment. Just imagine if Triple H were to get fired from WWE. And Triple H connects with all of his homies <laughs> that ran NXT with him, right? Uh, William Regal, Road Dogg, Jesse James, um, and, and whoever else. He could bring Shawn Waltman with him. Uh, Shawn Michaels, right? Because, you know, Shawn Michaels is a ride or die for Triple H. You know what I mean? Shawn is going to roll with Triple H till the wheels fall off. They're legitimately best friends and stuff. So let's say they all hook up 
and they form their own wrestling promotion. Can you imagine that, man? And it could be like uh, Generation X. You know what I'm saying? Generation Pro Wrestling or something like that. I think that would be so sick. I mean, I, I'm just saying that's a fantasy of mine. <laughs> a fantasy. That's just a thought. Imagine that, you know. I mean, we would have WWE, AEW, and then Generation Pro Wrestling, Triple H's company. You know what I mean? That fictional name. That's what I came up with. But I'm sure they would probably come up with something cooler. You know? Um, and it doesn't need a TV deal. You know, with all the streaming is the way to go nowadays. They could do a little show on YouTube and then get picked up by Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or something. You never know. That's the future. But um, that's just that's just a little uh, that's a fantasy right there. That's a pipe dream. Um, I know that's probably not gonna happen. But Shane McMahon, if he really did get let go, that is that is astonishing news. You know what I mean? He would be fired by his own dad. But before I get into that story, I would just want to quickly run down the rumble. It opened up obviously uh, with Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, and I was very shocked to see that match open the show because I just can't imagine Roman Reigns curtain jerking. The guy is, he's carrying WWE on his shoulders. Without him, the WWE would have nothing else uh, really going on. I mean, Brock Lesnar, he's hes always going to be uh, one of the, if not the biggest draws they have because of the legitimacy that he brings. But he's not at this point in time, he's not doing anything super interesting that's going to draw incredible ratings here. Um, so I'm surprised this match opened the show. I want to say when Seth Rollins came out in the old school Shield getup, you know, the, the SWAT, the Riot Team gear coming out from the crowd with the theme song. Which, incidentally, wasn't just the theme song for The Shield, but that was Roman Reigns' theme song for many years as well, long after The Shield disbanded. So, with Roman standing in the middle of the ring there, waiting for Seth to come out, and then when that music hits, you know, and Seth comes out through the crowd, I literally got the chills, man. I got the chills. I'm not even gonna lie. You know, that was... The last time that WWE was actually really good, like really compelling, back when the Shield were doing it, back when the Wyatt family were doing it, you know what I mean? AJ Styles would make his debut a few years later. Um, WWE was actually quite good at that time. Um, so yeah, Seth Rollins, man, he's doing the best work of his career right now, bar none. You know, without a shadow of a doubt, this character he's got going on, it's kind of, it's kind of like a Joker-esque kind of character, this this twisted dude who plays mind games, you know. And, and it, incidentally, it's kind of ironic because I thought that character would have, bit, would have fit Dean Ambrose a lot better. Dean Ambrose now, obviously, John Moxley over there in AEW tearing it up. But I thought, I always thought that Dean should have donned a Joker-like type of character. You know what I mean? Because he seems more like a twisted type of dude to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where Seth Rollins, I mean, he's playing the part very well. But Rollins, he's just so athletic, man. He's like a, a true, legitimate athlete who can really... Uh, 
do some amazing things in the ring. So a guy like that does not need this type of gimmick. But he's playing it very well. As he came out in the gear, the Riot Squad getup, as I said. Roman Reigns is over there. Even Roman looked kind of emotional, bro. Like, he was obviously, you know, his facial expressions, the story was being told that he was, like, being brought back to the past, reliving the moments of them coming out from the crowd. And I don't know, uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe that's just what I'm trying to see. But I feel like I saw genuine emotion from Roman Reigns as Seth came out. And the match itself is probably the best match of the night. It was a very, very good matchup. I didn't take any notes on it or anything. I didn't plan to do a a, a full-scale review like I'm going to do for Dynamite in just a moment. Uh, but that was the best match of the night. The Women's Royal Rumble popped off next, I believe. And guess what? <laughs> the Women's Royal Rumble was more entertaining than the Men's Royal Rumble. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it, it really was. I mean, I don't know if, if I just got bit by the nostalgia bug because of all of these former, you know, WWE divas that I remember from my childhood, you know, like Molly, Mighty Molly coming out um, and, and showing Nikki Ash how it's really done. Um, of course, Nikki Ash actually, she actually beat the brakes off of Molly, though. <laughs> I wasn't too pleased with that, but it was nice to see her. You know what I mean? Um who else? Who else? We got to see, of course, Callie Callie. Uh, I think Tori Wilson even came out. Um, we didn't get no Trish or Stacy Keebler, but we did see Lita. And I mean, that was, you know, that was common knowledge. Everybody knew she was going to make an entrance at the Royal Rumble. Um, yeah, well, long story short, the women's rumble was fun. It was funner than the men's. Um, I really think Zelina Vega and Melina should have had a stare down. <laughs> that was a huge missed opportunity. Um, <laughs> Zelina and Melina facing off. Two Latinas, one from the past, one from the present. Uh, it would have it made sense, but Melina got eliminated like <laughs> within seconds. And rightfully so. Rightfully so, because as much as I love Melina, I had a crush on her growing up. <laughs> she was she was my high school crush. I ain't even gonna lie. Um, as cringe as that may sound, but uh, Melina is not in good shape right now. Like not in good ring shape, and I based that off of her match that she had with Diana Purrazzo last year, uh, late last year um, for an NWA. I think it was for the Empower Show, the famous Empower Show. And um, yeah, the, the match between Diana Purrazzo and Melina was terrible. And it was not Diana's fault. It, Melina just looked like she was not in ring shape. She blew up. Like, <laughs> it wasn't even five minutes in. She looked like she blew up. Like, she was gassed. And um, so, immediately when Melina was coming out, uh, Sasha Banks, by the way, oh my god. Sa Sasha Banks came out in a Sailor Moon outfit. Um, she needs to do that again. <laughs> I want to see that be that that'll get me to watch WWE again. I'm gonna tell you right now, that's probably the one thing that'll make me watch SmackDown again is if Sasha Banks comes out in a Sailor Moon outfit every Friday. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> as soon as Melina's music hits and she came out, I, I kind of popped a little bit because like I said, the little history there that I, I, I grew up watching her, man. I had a crush on her growing up, <laughs> but I also thought to myself, like, 
I seen her in the Empower event against Diana Purrazzo getting gassed like five minutes into the freaking match. There is no way she's gonna be able to to do a Royal Rumble like all the way through. I mean, she's gonna have to be eliminated like right away. And sure enough, <laughs> Sasha Banks took her out of the match. Melina looked, she got emotional actually. There was like tears in her eyes. This was reminiscent of Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair main eventing WrestleMania with tears in their eyes. Um, but Melina, I guess she just got struck by the by the fans. I mean, it was probably the largest crowd she's ever performed in front of. And to hear so many people cheering for her, that was nice. What can I say? You know what I'm saying? I'm happy that Melina got that little moment. Even though she got her ass thrown out. But I'm sure she was happy that she got thrown out right away. Because I just don't think she has the physical fitness to keep up in a match like that. Oh boy, man. The men's rumble. You know what? Um, let, Let's get into the mixed tag match first. Edge and Beth Phoenix. Team Grit versus Team Miz. Uh, with Miz and Miss. Uh, Miz and Maris. That was a fun match. That was actually a fun match. Um, it, to be expected, it was predictable, of course. Edge and Beth Phoenix go over. Um, but it was a fun match. What what else happened? I don't even remember. There was another match on the card, and I don't even remember. Let's get to the men's rumble. This is where things just fell off a cliff here because... there. I mean, it's not just the fact that there wasn't really any surprise entrance, but it just felt like so formulaic you know you got a guy coming in he's a good guy then you got the bad guy come in or you got the bad guy come in and then the good guy either way um i think i think ray mysterio started first i believe um i think he was the first entrant but it felt very formulaic and it felt very underwhelming there was no real i, I mean johnny knoxville and bad bunny they got the they got the biggest loudest pops of the night and that, that really shows you that your roster, there's something missing in your roster. If you got these outside celebrities here, as silly ones too at that, quite frankly. I mean, let's be real. Johnny Knoxville of Jackass. Come on, man. This dude got, got a louder pop than any wrestler on your freaking roster during the Rumble. Bad Bunny. <laughs> Bad freaking Bunny. And now listen, I respect Bad Bunny. And the work he's actually done in the ring. I mean, he he's actually trained. You could tell that he's actually trained. He's taken it seriously for him to perform some of the moves that he performed. I mean, dude's over here hitting a Canadian destroyer and, you know, doing dives off the rope and everything, you know. And I was very surprised to see him take an F5 from Brock Lesnar. You know, WWE had to, you know, get, get him to sign some... <laughs> <laughs> multiple waivers for that you know what i mean guys they couldn't pay me enough money to take an f5 from brock lesnar you know what i'm saying you're gonna have to double that million dollar paycheck or whatever <laughs> i don't know how much they paid bad bunny i'm sure they paid him ridiculous amounts of money um but it's 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 worth it because he's clearly taking it seriously not like a johnny knoxville you know he's he's he actually did some wrestling moves um, and he knows how to take a bump. I gotta say, when he was thrown out the ring by Lesnar, he knew how to take the bump. Like, he knew how to land, the way he slowly went over the rope, hit the apron first, and then bumped off onto the mats below. I mean, he looked like a seasoned pro. <laughs> like, he's been wrestling. I surmise to believe that maybe Bad Bunny 
has trained to wrestle before his music career. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. I know P Puerto Rico, they love pro wrestling out there. Pro, pro, uh, pro wrestling is very big in Puerto Rico. They have a rich history too. Right up, uh, Carlito, the Colons. I think Pedro Morales was a Puerto Rican, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, um, they have a they have a rich history. Uh, Puerto Rico does in professional wrestling. Uh, Punishment Martinez, right? Damian Priest. Anyway, um, yeah, the men's rumble, guys. That's all I have to offer because nothing really substantial happened. Brock Lesnar would end up being entrant number thirty, as if we didn't see that coming after he lost. To Bobby Lashley, and that's the match I forgot. Bobby Lashley versus Lesnar. That was actually my most anticipated matchup. And I'm happy that Bobby won. And the match itself, it was nothing to write home about. You know what I mean? Um, Bobby Lashley clearly hurt his, his shoulder, his uh, left shoulder blade, because in the beginning of the match, Brock Lesnar was giving him suplexes, the Germans, and Bobby was taking it normal. But then at some point as the match progressed, Bobby refused to land on his left side, which led me to believe that he got hurt. You know what I mean? Because that's the only reason why you would turn the way he was during Germans. You're not supposed to turn. That's very dangerous. You know what I mean? I mean, the German suplex, it's pretty basic. It's pretty common these days. But if you really look at it, it's a very dangerous maneuver. You know what I mean? You're launching a guy from behind. Uh, he he could land right on his neck and fuck himself up, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think Bobby got hurt. And that ruined the match, clearly, because he was not able to compete to his... Or perform, rather, to his full capacity. In the end, he would win the match. Uh, Roman Reigns would come out and cost Lesnar the match. And Paul Heyman, um, I guess... He's switching back to being the advocate for Roman Reigns. I think that's a good move. I think Roman needs Paul more than Brock Lesnar does at this point. Um, nonetheless, yeah, so Brock Lesnar came out at number 30 in the Rumble. And he wins the Rumble. Just seamlessly throwing everybody out. There was no oomph at all. There wasn't... I mean, Drew McIntyre was the final guy. And this was this was probably... The most storytelling you got from the Rumble. Because obviously this goes back to two years ago when Drew McIntyre won the Rumble. Eliminating Brock Lesnar in shocking fashion. Got like the biggest pop ever after that. And now here we are two years later. And Drew and Brock face off at the end of this Rumble. And it was as underwhelming as some... <laughs> I always try to come out with some... With some funny analogies and stuff. I, I, It was just underwhelming, man. Um, Brock Lesnar just threw Drew out the ring. Like nothing. You know, like yesterday's garbage. And there you have it. That's the 2022 Royal Rumble. In a nutshell, yesterday's garbage. That sums it up. Um, probably the most exciting thing that happened was the WrestleMania sign. <laughs> Freaking get catching on fire, apparently. Uh, as... During the Becky Lynch Dewdrop match, which I forgot about that match, and rightfully so, nothing to write home about. I'm not a fan of Becky Lynch, never have been, probably never will be. Who the hell is Dewdrop anyway? What kind of name is that? Dewdrop. Is it Dewdrop or Doedrop? That is the most. Oh my god, man. WWE is just silly, bro. But during that match in particular, the WrestleMania sign above. 
um, it would catch on fire. Ronda Rousey, she would be the one to win the Women's Rumble. She pointed at the sign. It did the pyro, the whole shebang that they do, um, and it caught fire. And it actually started melting. And I, re I sincerely hope that nobody got hurt. I know that the fans had to be evacuated, the ones seated in that area. What surprised me the most is that when they took the sign down, um, you know, they actually got another one back up there. <laughs> Just in time for the men's rumble. I was joking around. I was tweeting live during the show. And I was I was chatting on the WWE subreddit. And I was saying like, man, they finna point at the Titantron. <laughs> Brock Lesnar, he's gonna point at the Titantron at the end of the night. <laughs> With the WrestleMania sign appearing on the big screen. That would have been funny. But um, <clears throat> yeah, man, the Royal Rumble was just... They had me in the first half, like I said, you know, I mean, with that Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins match, it gave me the chills. It gave me the chills, man. Just seeing, just seeing Seth and hearing the old Shield music and seeing Seth come out. I felt like I was teleported back to 2012, 2013, you know, 2014. Good times, good times. Um, but yeah, so that's the Royal Rumble. Just a shit show all the way around. Now, speaking of shit show, uh, <laughs> Shane McMahon reportedly let go by WWE. Dave Meltzer reported on January 31st that McMahon, quote-unquote, had a match on the books for the WWE Elimination Chamber and WrestleMania. PW Insider reported that McMahon was slated to be a regular on WWE Raw. Though McMahon wasn't listed internally as a producer for the Men's Royal Rumble match, Ringside News reported that Shane was involved in changes made to the match. Uh, Fightful Select reported he was heavily involved in the match, particularly a lot of the late changes that happened. Uh, Shane McMahon made his return to the ring at Saturday's WWE Royal Rumble, entering the Men's Royal Rumble match. McMahon entered at number 28. He eliminated Kevin Owens and was the second runner-up. He was eliminated from the bout, ultimately, by Brock Lesnar. Now, in an update, multiple people who were at the arena on Saturday noted that Shane was really self-centered and made things all about him and his own ideas. According to a report from Wade Keller of PW Torch, it was also said Shane didn't get caught up on what the plans were for the match. Shane apparently doesn't keep up with WWE programming, WWE storylines, or TV. I don't blame him. <laughs> Neither do I. Um, but to build to certain moments in the Rumble, Shane allegedly, quote-unquote, pulled the McMahon card with the other men's Royal Rumble match producers and wanted things done his, his own way with the ideas that, that he had. Um, and he wanted to have big moments in the match. Instead of letting the other guys have their moments. And things reportedly got so bad that there were heated arguments with people who felt like they could push back on Shane's behavior. The situation was described as chaotic by multiple sources. The McMahon's actions reportedly caused a lot of stress and strife, distracting people from the tasks at hand. It was also said that Shane just went way overboard with his actions. You know, I don't know if I buy this story entirely. PW Torch, I cannot 
I can't vouch for their validity. Um, I don't. I don't. I I know PW Torch. I've seen them around before, but I I can't speak to their validity. I don't know how accurate their stories are. Um, I do buy the the idea that Shane was involved in some of the changes. I definitely buy that because as I reported to you guys in my Royal Rumble preview episode, the last episode, I I mentioned that Vince McMahon's mother, Vicky Askew, passed away. And the day of the Rumble, she was having some kind of service, you know what I mean? So, I have to imagine that Vince kind of went on autopilot that day and let other people take over the creative and the plannings and stuff. I mean, evidently, Vince was there. He was present for the Rumble. But, I don't know, it, it makes sense to me that perhaps he would allow others, like maybe a Bruce Prichard, like a Shane McMahon and others to kind of uh take the reins of the uh of the rumble so i could buy that that perhaps shane mcmahon did make a few changes himself but as far as him trying to you know put himself over and stuff I, shane doesn't strike me as that kind of guy shane does not strike me as the kind of guy who would be selfish and i mean this is a guy who got thrown through freaking glass by kurt angle at a, I don't know if it was the King of the Ring pay-per-view in 2001 or something like that. He got thrown through a table, like, uh, excuse me, plexiglass that would not break. You know, I said table because I'm so used to seeing tables not breaking for, <laughs> for some of the wrestlers. But you got a guy uh, getting suplexed through plexiglass that would not break. And they they reshot it and redid it, redid it, redid it until Angle was finally able to just toss Shane McMahon headfirst through the glass and break it. He got cut up. He got stitched up. You got Shane McMahon falling off of freaking scaffolding really high up, risking his life, quite frankly, in a jackass match against freaking Steve Blackman, okay, putting him over. Shane McMahon does not strike me as the kind of guy who would be selfish and trying to take away spots from other people. You know what I mean? I, I highly doubt it. I mean, ain't nothing ain't nothing there for him to jump off of in the Rumble. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the only kind of spot that he's known for is big dives off of things and, you know, just doing hardcore shit. So I don't buy that, but... You know, if Shane McMahon really was let go by WWE, this is a big deal. It shows that Vince McMahon ain't afraid to let loose anybody. So Triple H ain't safe for all the pundits out there who have long believed that Triple H is safe because he's the son-in-law. He's married to the billion-dollar princess, right? Stephanie McMahon. So he ain't safe. Ain't nobody safe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um... I, I, oh man, as far as whether Shane was fired or not, I don't buy it. I really don't. I think that perhaps this is going to be turned into a storyline, but only time will tell. Uh, as of this recording, um, Fightful Select, who are usually very accurate, that's why I pretty much just rely on them. Um, I, I rely on a few other sources, but mainly them because they're usually 100% accurate with their, with their stories. They have not confirmed that Shane McMahon was fired from the WWE. 
All right, guys, so let's get into the Dynamite review, shall we? John Moxley opens the show taking on Wheeler Yuta. <laughs> now, yeah, Brian Kendrick was supposed to be the big opponent for John Moxley. There was so much hype surrounding this. I myself got hyped for it because I remember Spanky way back in the day, man, when he was a streaker on SmackDown running around, you know what I mean, uh, making Stephanie McMahon blush. Um, I remember this guy from my childhood, man. And I find that he was pulled from the show over comments he made that resurfaced on Twitter. Now, these are comments he made like a full-blown decade ago for some weirdo shoot interview show on YouTube that he got paid to be a part of. Now, what is it you ask that got Brian Kendrick canceled here? What is it? Did he say the N-word? Did he fat shame somebody? Did he uh, exude some xenophobic attitudes towards a certain group of people? Did he, uh, I don't know, uh, bust a Joe Rogan and quote-unquote spread misinformation about the vaccines? No. <laughs> no, no, no. It's none of that. Brian Kendrick made a comment about the Illuminati, <laughs> conspiracy theories, uh, and, and the Holocaust and things of that nature. Um, and that's what got him canceled. We're not allowed to believe anything anymore. We're not allowed to express our, our freedom to believe anything. <laughs> no, man, listen, listen. I, I mean, Brian Kendrick, his, his comments that he made... Um, I seen the screenshots of his words verbatim and his beliefs are out there. Yes, I don't agree with his beliefs at all. His beliefs are out there for sure. Um, anybody who denies the Holocaust and, and things of that nature, why would something like that be made up? You know what I mean? Why would they make up that the Holocaust happened? And by the way, Brian Kendrick is not a Holocaust denier. He's just He just said that less people died in the holocaust than what is made out to be now again you know what i mean that's that's a way out take that's you know his beliefs are way out there talking about the illuminati and organ harvesting and haiti and this and that those are out there beliefs you know what i'm saying but that is not something to cancel somebody over man that is not a reason to cancel somebody and prevent this person from making a paycheck all because of a belief that he expressed on a freaking shoot interview show 10 years ago. But he comes to AEW and we're going to make this resurface all of a sudden, right? You know, he was with WWE like the last multiple years and ain't nobody said nothing about it. Now he comes to AEW and suddenly it resurfaces on Twitter. Hey, this guy, he, he, he denied the Holocaust and he, he claims the Illuminati are harvesting organs in Haiti. Come on, man. So we're going we're gonna to refuse this guy to make money to provide for his kids, for his family, for himself. All because of some stupid ass Illuminati conspiracy theories. Is that what we're doing now in 2022? My goodness, man, you know, and, and I'm a, you listen, man, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I, I'm not, I, I got into that conspiracy stuff myself, you know, so maybe perhaps this is hitting me on a personal level, 
Um, I mean, I don't believe anything like that. But I will say I was somebody who used to, you know, back in the day, YouTube, it, before it got like super censored and, and corporatized like it is now, super commercial. Back in the day, YouTube was like the Wild West. You know what I mean? Any any type of video you want to watch, um, it was there about anything, any topic, 9-11, you know, Area 51 and aliens and all kind of weird shit and conspiracies and Illuminati stuff. It was like all over YouTube. And I myself delved into that a little bit just because I'll never forget Dave Chappelle. You know, I'm a longtime fan of Dave Chappelle. I love his his comedy, uh, the Dave Chappelle show, obviously. Um, I, I've been I've been rocking with Dave Chappelle since I first seen him in the Nutty Professor movie <laughs> so many years ago when I was a little kid. Wet behind the ears, right? Um, Dave Chappelle when he was clowning on on <laughs> on the Nutty Professor, um, and then of course I would watch. I, after that, I followed him. I watched his stand-ups. I've seen him in different movies, of course, and then of course the the Coupe de Gras, the Holy Grail, that is the Dave Chappelle show. Now Dave Chappelle was always a skinny dude. He was always scrawny. Like he doesn't have the body type. Of someone who can get, who can get like yoked up. You know what I'm saying? Because he's always been a small guy. Like a scrawny kind of guy. Now he goes away. He, he, out of nowhere, he leaves the Chappelle show. Goes away to Africa. Um, which that in itself is random as hell. You know, I mean, I get, you know, leaving your, <laughs> your show. Maybe the pressure got to you. The stress of writing, you know, scripts and stuff. But, but then to go to Africa, that's a really random I mean, I would like, I mean, me personally, I would go to Hawaii or some shit. You know what I mean? But anyway, he goes to Africa. He's gone for multiple years and he comes back and he's older now. He's aged, right? Except he's not aging. He's done the reverse of aging. He came back with a bodybuilder's body, yo. I mean, I'm talking about his arm, almost like Hulk Hogan status. Like this dude is buff. <laughs> I mean, and, and he was always a scrawny dude, but he comes back buff he comes back with a deeper voice. Um, you know what I mean? And his own cousin came out. There's an audio recording of his own cousin saying that ain't the real Dave Chappelle. I don't know who that man is. I don't know who that imposter is, but that ain't the real Dave Chappelle. So that right there is what got me into a lot of conspiracy stuff. I started going down those rabbit holes of Illuminati killing celebrities and then cloning them and, and all this weirdo shit, right? MK Ultra and all that stuff. Um, so I, I, am I going to get canceled? <laughs> because I, I, I went through them Illuminati rabbit holes. Am I going to get canceled now? You know what I'm saying? Like, let, let's grow up. Let's get some thicker skin. Let's um, let's be adults. That is no reason to. I, I'm just so upset that Brian Kendrick, man, he requested his release from WWE and it was granted. And he's 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 booked to come to AEW, man, and have a match with John Moxley. You know, probably the biggest match of his career. And because of because of what I mentioned. You know, he, he, the opportunity is taken from him to make some money and start a new career. For something he said on video 10 years ago, and it wasn't a racial slur. It wasn't something that can 
you know, really hurt somebody. I mean, listen, the Holocaust stuff, listen, y'all want to talk about a Holocaust. We had a Holocaust here in the Americas when millions upon millions of Native Americans were slaughtered. Okay. Now that's part of my ancestry. That's part of my ancestry. Now, if, if I, if somebody tells me that's not true, you know, not, not, not too many Native Americans were slaughtered. That's not true. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna want them to get canceled. I'm gonna tell them, well, you're, you're dumb. <laughs> you're misinformed, but I'm not gonna request that this person be canceled and, and unable to make money for himself because of something he believes in. You know what I mean? That just, that kind of stuff fires me up, bro. You know, like it, it's, it's not right. We should have a right to provide for our families and for ourselves. And because of something that was said, you know, many years ago, it can, it can really kill you. You know, like I'm, I'm scared that <laughs> I'm going to say some shit on this podcast and got, you know, if I ever do get somewhat popular or, or I don't, I mean, I don't want to be, I'm just saying like, let's say if, maybe a job that I'm working at, I'm not even famous, but let's say a, a job uh, one of my coworkers hears an episode of the highlight reel. <laughs> like, hey, the highlight. Lalo said he used to watch conspiracy videos on YouTube. I don't want to work with this fucking guy. He's fucking weird. He's a, he's a Looney Tune, bro. And I get fired. You know, some shit like that. That is unacceptable, man. I mean, that's not the that's not the type of society we should be living in. I mean, I would understand if Brian Kendrick said the N word. You know, it started being racist and, and you know, because I'm all about free speech, but I'm not all about hate speech. There's a difference. You see what I'm saying? And, and you know, when you spread those kind of things in public, then you have the right to face repercussions for what you say. But um, this kind of thing right here is just it really triggered me, bro. It really triggered me. We get a dueling chant of let's go Moxley, Dan Hawson. And Dan Hawson, I don't know why this guy, he's hes the new hook. Like, people are just absolutely in love with this guy. I've never seen him work. He's a funny guy, I guess. Moxley, he had some outside interaction with Orange Cassidy as well. Wheeler Yuta attempts a big suicide dive, but Moxley just catches him out of midair. Yuta would retain control and attempt a shotgun drop kick off the top rope and lose control yet again. John then turns him inside out with a big lariat as he flexes his guns. Moxley looks incredible. Um, all this to say, Moxley smashed on Yuta and nabbed the pinfall victory. Nobody cares. The real story is what happened in the post-match. As Brian Danielson hits the ring and faces off with Moxley. Do you want to see us fight? Brian asks to a smorgasbord of yes chants. Moxley standing there with snot all over his mouth. Brian says he's always wanted to see what Mox has because he's different. And since we he's come back, he's a brand new John Moxley. He says deep down inside of him, he's always wanted to test him. And that he's been watching him from afar. Uh, as Moxley was the AEW champion, the very best AEW champion thus far, according to Brian. He claims if he had a little more support, he would still be AEW champion. And that's about the time he realized that John Moxley and Brian Danielson shouldn't be fighting each other. They should be fighting together. Danielson says to another marathon of yes chance. Brian then throws a little shade on AEW saying there's no reason a millennial champion, uh, a, millenni a millennial cowboy 
should be champion, or a dinosaur as a tag champion, or some vlogger on YouTube as the TNT champion, as a portion of the crowd claps at these statements. Brian throwing shade on Sammy Guevara there at the end. Brian says, listen, Mox, together we can run this place. He tells them they could hold all the titles in the company and mold a young guy like Wheeler Yuta. What if we took somebody like Daniel Garcia under our wings and mentored him? He plugs Lee Moriarty as well and says we could train the young guys and mold the future. He hits the exclamation point with the crowd may not like me, but they like what I'm saying right now. As he received a small ovation, the crowd were feeling it. They were feeling everything he was saying. Perhaps he has some merit to the way WWE has presented it's champions, you know, we got we got Luchasaurus over here <laughs> killing Ray Phoenix's arm, <laughs> coming out, with, uh, you know, in a mask and acting like a lizard. And you got Sammy Guevara, a social media guy. He's a vlogger, uh, probably more famous for his vlogs than for his work in the ring. And he's TNT champ. And of course, Adam Page, the cowboy. And as I said, that kind of gimmick does not have a long shelf life. As Brian Danielson walks out the ring to close the segment, John Moxley stands there kind of confused, kind of befuddled, kind of wondering, questioning his existence, perhaps. I can dig it. You know, this is very interesting here. I didn't see this coming. You know what I mean? I, I really kind of expected AEW to just lazily book another big fight, another big showcase, because as I mentioned... John Moxley and Brian Danielson. That's a match that does not need a story. There doesn't need to be an angle. You know what I mean? It, it's a match that writes itself. This is like Brian Danielson versus uh, what's his name? Uh, Minoru Suzuki, Suzuki Goon, all over again, but except with John Moxley. <laughs> you know, I know that. This is ultimately going to lead to Moxley versus Brian in a big match at Revolution. But man, I, I got to say, man, you know, I'm actually salivating at the idea of seeing a big faction with Brian and Moxley and perhaps CM Punk or somebody, another former WWE guy. It would have to be, you know what I mean? That would be crazy. Like a... A big faction, you know what I mean? With former WWE guys and maybe one youngster that they can mold into their style. Like, I am absolutely salivating at that prospect. That would be freaking dope. I would love to see that. Ultimately, guys, what can I say? We're going to get a crazy match between Brian and uh, Mox when it happens, which I'm pretty sure is going to be AEW Revolution popping off March 6th is going to be a riot. Brandy Rhodes is in the middle of the ring with a mic in hand and she says it's good to be back in Cleveland. <laughs> As the fans practically boo her out of the building, she says or Chicago, whatever, same thing. Um, Dan Lambert interrupts her saying you would think you would think someone who comes from a wrestling family would realize how bad it is for business when you start believing your own bullshit. He says, they, may, they might have given you a reality show, but you need a reality check. Dan then says, don't pretend your chief brand officer title or whatever isn't just a name thrown together to stroke your massive ego. 
Or that brandy from the block accent you do when you get upset. Don't pretend it isn't as fake as those boltons popping out of your chest. <laughs> oh man. Um he then he then really he really drops the mic right here when he says, "But you can't pretend that you're not getting booed out of this ring even though you're standing next to a rich, angry, conservative, sexist, AEW hating old man like me." I almost feel like a decent human being standing next to you. Oh my goodness. Boy, I, somebody call the cops. <laughs> I wanted to call the EMTs. I never seen somebody get roasted like that on live TV. It's like a, the classic Comedy Central roast from back in the day that they did on multiple like, you know, D-list celebrities. That's that's what this was. Dan Lambert, he might as well be called Jeff Ross. You know what I'm saying? For AEW. Brandy, though, she actually hit him where it hurts right here. Not not Dan, but Brandy. <laughs> she, um, she, of course, um, she turned to Ethan Page because he was laughing like, like really hard. And, and she says, I don't know why you're laughing, Ethan. The only reason we hired you is to get closer to Josh Alexander. <laughs> Now, for anybody who doesn't watch Impact Wrestling, Josh Alexander, he's a big uh, <clears throat> Impact Wrestling guy, okay? Um, I don't know much about him myself, but I, I still think it's funny how she kind of broke the fourth wall there, you know, saying, hey, we just hired you just so we could get closer to hiring this other dude. <laughs> and it's just funny to me because I, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that that's true. She probably really broke kayfabe right there with that comment. <laughs> but anyway, now nah, Ethan Page, I think he has more upside than than the Alexander cat. I I, I looked him up. Is it Josh Alexander or Wolf Alexander? I don't even know his name. But I looked him up, and um, he's like almost forty years old. I think Ethan Page has a much uh, brighter upside. Let's say. But anyway. Uh, Brandy would then question the beef Dan Lambert has with her as the fans begin chanting, Shut the fuck up. This is go away heat, guys. Um, she says, Dan is a little... She says, Dan, it's a little telling that your best fighter got his ass knocked out by Jake Paul. Now, she was referencing Tyron Woodley here. And my God, what a knockout that was. Um, she also plugs Amanda Nunez, who just suffered her first loss to Juliana Peña. Um, that's my last name right there, Peña. Anyway, Dan Lambert says it's time for your whole family to turn heel because the only face turn anyone's gonna buy from you is the one from your former job, which was you turning face down. <laughs> oh my God. Jesus, somebody call the cops on this man. He is committing murder on live TV, bruh. Um, Brandy then gives Dan Lambert the weakest slap I ever seen in my life. It looked like, it, it didn't even look like a slap. It looked like she patted his face the way you pat a dog's head. Um, Dan Lambert says he knew she would be in a fighting mood tonight. And he's probably not the only one with slapping the shit out of her at the top of his bucket list. But he does have a few more things to accomplish here before he goes down in a glorious fire of cancel culture. Fireball <laughs> of cancel culture. That would be a 
That would be a great name for a faction fireball of cancel culture. Um, anyway, he brings out Paige Van Zandt. He brings out Paige Van Zandt, and they do a little pull-apart brawl as Paige rushes Brandy, the AEW women's locker room, come out to break it up. Now, I have no idea where this is going. This is a very confusing storyline because you have two heels here, two baddies in Brandy and Lambert uh, roasting each other and... You know, none of them are really likable, like from a character sense. Obviously, everybody loves Dan Lambert. That's that's pretty clear now. But I'm saying from a character standpoint, though, um, none of these characters are likable. So when you got that dynamic, who are we putting over here? And the only conclusion I can come up with is this is going to be the way that America top team guys, like Paige Van Zandt, who came out. She's not a guy, but... <laughs> She's part of the ATT team, okay? And I guess this is going to be the way that they make their in-ring debuts. And they're starting off with Brandy because Paige Van Zandt, I guess... I I don't know why Brandy would be chosen to be Paige Van Zandt's first opponent in a pro wrestling match. I, I have to... I surmise to believe that maybe Brandy herself inserted her into this... And maybe Brandy made the suggestion that I think I could put over Paige Van Zandt. Let me, feed me Paige Van Zandt. I think, or rather feed me to Paige because I think I could put her over kind of thing. I mean, listen, guys, as much shit as Brandy gets, I will say, and I watched the reality show. Yeah, go ahead and make fun of me. I don't care. I watched it. The Roads to the Top <laughs> reality show, the greatest TV show in, in the world right now. Um, Brandy did claim that she wants to start from the bottom. Like she, she wants to wrestle and she wants to start from the bottom and earn her, pay her dues to get to the top. And she wants to be a champ. She wants to win the title. So I respect that, you know, and Brandy, I, you know, I don't get why she's hated so much. Me personally, I really don't. I like Brandy. I think she's great. I think she's, she's very charismatic. She's gorgeous. She's a good talker um, in the ring. Yeah, she's not very good in the ring at all. And that's a fact. She's probably worse than Jade Cargill. But I think that Brandy, she's she's respectable at least for trying. You feel me? We should never, we should never knock people for trying. And I, I, I guess Brandy wants to put over Paige Van Zandt. So we'll just have to see how it goes. The best thing about that segment, I gotta say, was seeing Queen Aminata uh, as part of the entourage of AEW uh, women to break up the, the big brawl there with Paige and Brandy. Queen Aminata, if you guys don't know, she is an African professional women's wrestler and she is great. She is fantastic. I hope AEW signed her. I have not seen the Queen Aminata is all elite graphics, so I don't know if perhaps they signed her to an open deal, you know, where she can uh like a what do they call it a tier 1, I believe, where she can perform uh for AEW by an appearance basis and be paid and still work other places. So, it was nice to see her though on TV. That was great. Andrade and Matt Hardy continue their partnership storyline backstage as Andrade confronts Matt and Private Party for their loss in their tag title opportunity against Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. 
while Matt Hardy then countered that with why Andrade has failed to recruit Darby Allen. Andrade says, oh, he wants more money. Maybe we just need to offer him more money. Um, Andrade and Matt Hardy, to me, are entertaining, man, because of their entirely different yet similar characters if that makes any sense i guess what i mean is obviously andrade being a mexican and his his thick accent when he speaks in english and then you have matt hardy a carolina kid <laughs> carolina guy with southerner but he's also had so many different characters over the years and now he's big money matt and Andrade, he's like this Al Pacino, Scarface type character right now. It's just an interesting dynamic. Like, if that was a movie, I would watch it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like Cuban drug lord or Mexican drug lord in this case with uh, the southerner who has a lot of money working together to, sound, to sign talents to their brand. I don't know. That's a movie I would watch. Um, I'd like to see them in tag matches. I don't care for Private Party. I don't care for The Butcher and the Blade. I don't care for PJ Black and uh, Jack Evans or whoever the hell else they have a part of this faction. Um, I just want to see Andrade and Matt Hardy. That's it. No more, no less. Okay? And I know that Jeff Hardy coming to AEW is probably inevitable at this point. So it works. You know, we can have Andrade and Matt. Um, tag for a little bit and then do the classic partner turns on partner, right? Andrade backstabs Matt Hardy and out comes Jeff. When we think Matt has nothing left, Jeff Hardy comes in and there you go. You know what I mean? And then the Hardy boys could feud against Andrade and uh, uh, I don't know, somebody, some heel, some good heel that they can pair him with at some point down the line. The Kings of the Black Throne take on Penta, El Cerro Miedo, and the Bastard Pack. Now, <laughs> you know, I, I this is the Kings of the Black Throne, but I want to mention the little graphic there. <laughs> had a typo. It said Knights. Knights of the Black Throne. <laughs> I thought for a second there, I'm like, wait a minute. Did they change their name on the fly? But Justin Roberts still introduced them as the kings of the Black Throne. So clearly it was a typo. It happens. It happens, guys. Pentagon was the most over man in this match. He got the loudest pop. We got the Cerro Miedo chance. We even got Si Se Puede chance. We got the Ole 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 chance. I mean, Pentagon was really hot in Chicago. Uh, I gotta say, there was a lot of there was a lot of raza. <laughs> That night in Chicago for AW Dynamite. Um, Penta and Pac would fly all around the ring, taking out the House of Black members. The story of this match was the sheer mountain of a man that Brody King is, overpowering his foes. Yet as big as he is, I gotta say, Brody King, he moves around with grace. You know what I mean? He's seemingly able to keep up with smaller men like Penta and Pac. And in the end, Brody King picks up the big win via pinfall using the Dante's Inferno Power Slam. I do want to mention that that Benta, he did get that black mist, that uh, mystifying black mist there from uh, Malachi Black uh, ahead of the victory. So I'm wondering now if we're going to see Pentagon, uh, you know, go through a similar crisis that everyone has seemingly gone through that i've gotten that black mist 
We still have yet to see, I still have yet to see Julie Hart, man, come out in a gothic cheerleader outfit. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> doing it big with the House of Black. I'm not going to let that idea die. Um, I've got to see that. Um, but nah, uh, yeah, so Penta, I don't, I don't know, I'm wondering if he's gonna go through a similar kind of thing, and perhaps, you know, a lot of people probably don't realize, but Pentagon was like a dark character on the indies. Now, I did, I didn't see him in Impact or anywhere else, but I did see him in Lucha Underground. That's where I remember seeing him from, um, and he had like a dark character about him, and he was breaking people's arms, which incidentally is very ironic given Ray Phoenix's current injury via Bachasaurus. Um, but yeah, so I'm wondering if perhaps this can lead to a Penta heel turn or a dark turn, we can say, where he goes dark and starts feuding with Ray Phoenix whenever Ray comes back. Because, you know, Ray Phoenix and Pentagon in the ring, it's second to none. It's Ray Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero levels of chemistry. Um, and, and, and it should be because they're brothers. They're real life brothers. And, um, you know, that's something I'll buy that for a dollar. I mean, what do you want me to say? I take my money, Mr. Khan. Adam Cole cuts a backstage promo saying if somebody reminds him that Orange Cassidy beats him one more time, he will slap them in the mouth. He claims he doesn't get the respect he deserves here in AEW. But everybody is going to see a new side of Adam Cole come rampage. When he takes on <laughs> Evil Uno. Yeah, man. Evil Uno, bro. That's uh, that's the hell of a main eventer right there, dog. That's <laughs> that's the reincarnation of Mick Foley. I, 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 listen, man. I know that there has been long talks of Adam Cole, you know, kind of not being used appropriately in AEW. And I usually, you know, I usually defend Adam Cole and say that's not true or defend AEW rather. Um, but, you know, when he goes from wrestling Orange Cassidy to now Evil Uno, and I, I surmise to believe he's going to, I guess, go through the Dark Order now. You know, if I, I can see it now. He's going to squash Evil Uno and then go against... Uh, well, he already did that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, he already did that, didn't he? He, he I'm pretty sure, right? John Silver and, and Adam Cole had a big match, I remember, on Rampage. Um, But the point that I'm trying to make is that, yeah, I think now we're starting to see that AEW just kind of doesn't know what to do with Adam Cole right now as it stands. I've been saying it for the past several episodes that there is some big plans for Adam Cole. I mean, Ray Charles could see it. You know what I mean? Anybody can see it. When Kenny Omega comes back and he sees Adam Cole with his undisputed era goons, there's going to be some prices to pay. There's going to be some scores to settle and it's going to be probably the biggest angle ever either later this year or, or 2023 it's gonna pop off um but as of right now until kenny omega comes back it is very evident to me at this point that aew does not know what to do <laughs> with adam cole i mean when they're when they got him sitting here hyping up a match with evil freaking uno <laughs> That tells me, that, that says it all. They don't know what to do with Adam Cole right now. Nyla Rose versus Ruby Soho. Um, 
Now, Ruby Soho made her entrance and she posed with Lars Fredriksson of Rancid, the band that does her Ruby, 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 Ruby Soho theme song. It's so much better when Taz <laughs> does the karaoke of that. Um, he got zero reaction, the guy. It, it, was, it was heartbreaking to see that because he not only obviously provides the theme song for Ruby Soho and her, her overall presentation. He actually gave her permission to use Soho as her name, Ruby Soho. Um, and she cried. Like, you guys could listen to it for yourself. They, um, uh, Lars, he has a podcast. Um, and he's always been a wrestling fan, big wrestling fan. And when he had Ruby on after she was released from WWE, that's when he... You know, while she told him she's going to start working the indies, she doesn't know what her name's going to be. Probably Ruby. Uh, no, no, no. What, what was her name on the indies? I remember it was on the tip of my tongue. Um, Ruby. No, Ruby Rebel or something, something along those lines. Um, and Frederick uh, Lars said, why don't you just use Ruby Soho? Like, we'll grant you permission. You know, you could we'll even provide you the song. And she started crying right there on the podcast because she got emotional. And she's a very, I noticed that Ruby Soho is a very emotional person. Like she gets very emotional and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a sweet thing to see though. She's, she's, uh, she wears her heart on her sleeve. You know, she, uh, she's a very genuine person. You just, you see it radiate off the screen, like during interviews and stuff. Like she's a very, uh, very, uh, legitimate, genuine human being so you love to see it but yeah that was heartbreaking to see <laughs> the rancid guy get zero reaction in chicago of all places chicago i mean they, come on they're into that kind of shit right they like punk rock and i don't know that's that was that hurt to see anyway nyla demonstrates perfectly well why she has won me over as a fan you know nyla rose she's gotten so much better and she works so well with smaller women, I've noticed. You know, um, you had the bigger wrestler here overpowering the smaller wrestler as we watch Ruby make a big comeback in this match to topple the giant. But with Vicky Guerrero in tow and her shenanigans, she was unable to overcome the odds. As Ruby Soho attempted the no future kick to Nyla sitting on the top rope, she would instead fall short, quite literally, as she fell to the canvas, Nyla executed a big senton bomb off the rope um, and then a big beast bomb for the pinfall victory. I want to see Nyla Rose win the TBS Women's Championship. And I know that's probably not in the cards anytime soon because Jade Cargill is getting the push of a lifetime right now. <laughs> I mean, she's she really is, you know, 2022 Bill Goldberg, you know, reincarnated. Like she's she's clearly not ready for the for the spotlight and the sunshine, but she's getting it. And I respect the effort. What do you want me to say? I respect the effort. I mean, AEW put a lot of money into her. I think I think Nyla Rose should be the TNT Women's Champ right now. This is my opinion. But anyway, um, hopefully Nyla gets a nice little push from here on out. I mean, this is a huge win. I don't think people realize this is a huge win for Nyla Rose. Probably the biggest win of her career. I mean, I know she won the women's title, but she won it off of... 
off a of Riho, I believe. So that ain't... <laughs> that don't mean shit. You know what I'm saying? To me, Nyla beating Ruby Soho is the biggest win of her career right now. The Gun Club jump Jungle Boy backstage and outside of the arena. They even slam him in the snow. As Christian Cage then appears and chases them off. And it looks absolutely hilarious because he's running awkwardly so he don't slip. He's like trying not to slip on the slippery street. <laughs> you know, it was all snowed out over there. So that was really funny to see Christian hobbling, you know, trying to run. Um, and again, I, I, I want to reiterate that I'm happy to see the Gun Club get a look, man. I'm happy for them. You know, these guys... Um, second generation wrestlers, right? Their father, Billy Gunn. I grew up watching him, and now I'm seeing these kids, uh, you know, getting pushed a little bit. And I'm happy. I'm happy. I, I, I'm not expecting them to take the tag straps off of uh, Jungle Boy and, and Luchasaurus, but you know, it, it's it. If you don't get put in these kind of matches and these kind of angles, you're never gonna learn. You know what I'm saying? This needs to be done. For the growth that is clearly being facilitated. Tony Schiavone is interviewing AEW world champion Adam Page in the middle of the ring. So we have more title match hype for Page defending against Lance Archer in the Texas death match. And literally nobody in the world cares at all. Dan Lambert would interrupt Adam Page as Page calls out Lance Archer for a fight tonight in Chicago. The fans didn't pop at all. <laughs> not even not even saying Chicago, the fans didn't care. <laughs> um, Jake the Snake actually came out, much to my surprise. And um, yeah, he actually cut a little promo himself. He grabbed the mic and, and he claims that Adam Page is afraid of the murder hawk deep down inside. And speak of the devil, the man himself, uh, Archer, he came out. Uh, Page would toss him into the steel steps. Page teases the buckshot lariat onto Dan Lambert, who he threw into the ring. Archer then blindsides Page and chokeslams him on the steel steps. He would finish the segment executing the blackout finisher through the timekeeper's table because AEW loves their table spots. Archer then gets on the mic sounding gassed as hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> looking like Melina at that Empower show. He just gassed, saying he's going to be world heavyweight champion whether anybody likes it or not. You want to talk about nuclear heat. If Lance Archer were to actually beat Adam Page for the title, it's it's funny because it wouldn't even be nuclear heat. It would be like... Oh, I'm not even going to watch. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to watch this show no more. This shit. Who is this guy? <laughs> why Why should I care that he, this nobody, this jabroni here took the title off of Adam Page. I don't know, man. Um, it, I Yeah, I can't get into this match. Adam Page will go over. Um, the question is, who is Adam Page's opponent at AEW Revolution come March 6th? Pay-per-view. Because it sure as hell ain't Lance Archer. I'm going to tell you right now. Chris Jericho cuts a backstage promo saying next week we need to have an inner circle meeting and everybody must be present. No exceptions. The destruction of the inner circle continues to take shape and I'm all for it. I think the faction has ran its course. Proud and powerful. They literally have been... 
um, stagnant ever since being a part of Inner Circle. Um, they have they should have been tag champs a long time ago. It's disgusting that they haven't won the tag titles. <laughs> I said disgusting. They haven't won the tag titles and had a big match with Lucha Bros. That's what we all wanted to see. It never happened. Um, so that plays in very well to this storyline that Jericho is supposedly holding them back. Jake Hager, I don't know where the hell he's been and nobody seems to care. <laughs> I'm the only one asking every week, where the hell is Jake Hager? Um... So I hope I guess he's gonna he has to be there, right? The inner circle consists of, of course, the Maestro, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, and Santana and Ortiz, proud and powerful. I, I'm I'm here for it, man. I'm I'm kind of half expecting like a a brawl. Maybe a brawl between all of the members. I, I'm even half expecting all the members to just jump Chris Jericho. And then send him packing. And he just takes some time off, man. <laughs> That's how I would book. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's how I would book it. I would have Sammy Guevara, Proud and Powerful, Jake Hager. All of them just jump Jericho in the middle of the ring. And then he he's gets sent packing and takes some time off. I know that's probably not a, the most pleasant way to go out. But I really think that Jericho needs some time off. Like an extended time off. I know he went away on that UK tour um last year right but he wasn't even gone for a whole he i he missed one episode i think of dynamite one episode of rampage and then came back the following week he needs to take like a couple months off and that's coming from a jericho mark uh 100 i've been following this guy since wcw man i i seen his matches with i seen him work Huvi uh, the jews guerrera on WCW programming. I, I've seen him from the bottom to the top. I love Jericho. He, in my opinion, he's the greatest of all time. But he needs a break. He's just... He, he ain't doing nothing interesting right now. He's taking up TV time. He's heavily criticized for his commentary on Rampage. Now, I'm more of the give him a chance type. But I, I could see... I can see how his commentary could be annoying to some people. I don't find it particularly annoying. Um, I feel like Ricky Starks, I feel like his commentary is kind of cringe sometimes. I mean, just because he has all this hype about him, like he's supposed to be the reincarnation of The Rock. He ain't even, he don't even have a hair of the charisma that The Rock has. The fuck out of here. I don't know where that comes from. But anyway, um, yeah, man, it's going down next week. We'll see what happens. MJF versus CM Punk. The main event pops off, and I am still quite surprised they gave this match away for free on free TV. This is a pay-per-view match if I ever saw one. This is the kind of match that could have covered two different pay-per-views. Um, obviously, AEW doesn't do the month-to-month -month pay per views like WWE does, so I get it. If they waited any, any longer, perhaps this feud would have felt uh, kind of overbearing, you know. Um, nonetheless, this is another textbook demonstration of professional wrestling. As MJF continued 
working punk's left arm and wrist, perhaps making deposits towards the salt of the earth submission later on. Punk fought his way off the top rope and executed a high crossbody to MJF. He would also hit a classic spinning neck breaker. Um, Punk is all about the basics, man. That's what's amazing about Punk is he's probably pretty much the most over guy in the whole company. And yet, the moves in his arsenal are all so basic. You know, neck breakers, running bulldogs. He did a scoop slam on the ring apron. It doesn't get any more basic than a scoop slam, but it's effective. Um... Punk would take MJF to the barricade where he directed a fan sitting front row to chop the chest of MJF. The fan definitely got his money worth that night. Um, Guys, I never thought I'd see the Pepsi plunge ever done again in a wrestling ring. And it actually happened. And I can't believe it. CM Punk executed a Pepsi plunge. This was his finisher back in the indies. I remember him in Ring of Honor and IWSMS all those years ago. I remember the hype when he signed with WWE in 2005. Um, You know, obviously, we were all speculating what's going to be his finisher because there's no way they're going to let him do the Pepsi Plunge in WWE. Um, For those of you who may not know, the Pepsi Plunge is essentially a pedigree off the top rope. So that Triple H's finisher off the top rope. You know, back in that back in that time frame, Triple H was still like the franchise player uh, character, right? He was still like the top guy, one of the top guys in the company. Anyway, MJF wrapped some wrist tape around Punk's neck during a sleeper and would actually choke Punk out. Referee Bryce Remsburg did the classic arm counts and Punk did not beat the count. And I gotta say, they had me in the first half. Not even gonna lie. I thought that's how the match would end. But as MJF was celebrating, Bryce Remsburg would see the wrist tape on the mat. Of course, MJF contested it. He tried to hide it. He tried to pick it up and everything. This was really good. Um, Nonetheless... Of course, the referee restarted the match upon seeing the shenanigans. All this to say that in the end, MJF did win the match via pinfall victory, via shenanigans, of course, as Wardlow would hit the stage. And this is where everybody thought that he would finally make his big turn. Instead, he stepped aside where he apparently dropped the dynamite diamond ring, which MJF would pick up and nail punk with it like brass knucks to pick up the victory. I actually didn't see Wardlow drop the ring until they showed it in the replay. That is a masterfully crafted storytelling. Okay? That is how you do storytelling in professional wrestling. And I'm not just talking about the whole ring exchange part either, the fuckery at the end. I'm talking about this whole match as a whole. You know what I mean? And I have dogs barking out here, making a guest appearance on the podcast. Um, I would really like to knock that dog out with a diamond ring. Let me tell you, be waking me up at odd hours. Anyway, um, (laughs) uh, this was a tremendous textbook crash course in professional wrestling. As I said. CM Punk, he keeps it basic. He don't do nothing flashy. 
You know, there ain't no frills. There ain't no bells and whistles to his offense. He doesn't do no flippy shit. He doesn't dive out the ring a hundred times before the, the first ten minutes elapses in a match. You know what I mean? He just does simple, basic, professional wrestling. Suplexes, neck breakers, bulldogs, scoop slams, chin locks. And, and it's effective. When you're as over as punk, you don't need to do any of that that acrobatic gymnast uh, crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Um, he's just um, and, and I'm not I'm not dissing that style of wrestling either. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just making a point here that CM Punk is just very very good at this thing we call professional wrestling. MJF beat CM Punk twice in one night, technically. In Punk's hometown at that, Chicago, Illinois. This is CM Punk's first loss in professional wrestling since January of 2014. So this is... This was the right call. And this was a giant rub to MJF. And it's what we were all expecting. There's some people that are upset about it. Some people that, that you know, wanted CM Punk to win and, and make MJF into this crazy character who can't get over the fact that he lost and all this other stuff. Um, this was the right call. MJF is the guy. Dude is like 25 years old, barely now. Um, he's going to be in AEW for like another two to three decades, okay? Um, he's He's got to be booked like this very strong i mean he just defeated the floyd mayweather of wrestling if you think about it <laughs> in a sense you know what i mean certainly as far as star power goes cm punk you know you could call him the floyd mayweather of pro wrestling in a way um you know he was undefeated the the, the most popular guy there probably the highest earner there too i wouldn't doubt it and um he just got beat by a man named maxwell jacob friedman of Long Island, New York. And now it is time for MJF to take the world title off of Adam Page. And that would be nuclear heat. Not Lance Archer <laughs> taking the title off. Of Lance Archer is going to be the main event of that one show. That's it. Um, I think now is the time that MJF gets that booster strapped to him now. And he takes the title off of Adam Page at Revolution, perhaps. Perhaps. Who else is there for Adam Page to wrestle at Revolution? Miro is clearly not around. He's injured, I guess. He's uh, he's he's on some island with CJ Perry. They're probably, um, you know, drinking vodka with Red Bull and just chilling. Uh, MJF should be Adam Page's opponent at Revolution. And MJF should capture the world title. Adam Page just recently had a daughter. She's like five months old. You know what I mean? He mentioned it in his promo, incidentally, uh, before Lance Archer came out and did his thing. So, you know what? I think it would be awesome. MJ, Look, Adam Page had a nice run, man. He was away because his wife was having a baby. Then he came back, got inserted into that casino ladder match, became the number one contender, and he did what we've been wanting to see for the last two years. He won the title. 
And that's the end of the movie. Now it's time to put on a new movie. And that movie is going to be the rise of MJF as the champion. And then meanwhile, Adam Page could go back home and be with his family, his newborn child, his wife, and take a year off. Maybe maybe less, maybe less. Have him take six months off, three months, something. He, he won't be missed because AEW has a stacked-ass roster. You know, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, John Moxley. Um, the list goes on and on. Malachi Black, Brody King now in the mix, Andrade, El Idolo. I mean, there's so much. It's just perfect. And I can't wait for it. Guys, overall, this episode of Dynamite is what I would call a crash course in professional wrestling. In particular, the Nyla Rose-Ruby Soho match. And of course, that classic main event between Punk and MJF, which I still cannot believe we got to see that for free. Because I would have paid for it. (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now, I would have paid the 50 bucks just for that match. The only thing missing from this show was Cody Rhodes, which makes the Brandy Rhodes segment all the more infuriating. And I actually like Brandy, as I said. And I'm probably the only human being on the entire planet that likes Brandy Rhodes. <laughs> but Cody should be the star of the show, in my opinion. The TNT champ, Sammy Guevara, will be defending his title on Rampage to Isaiah Cassidy. Uh, so that explains, <laughs> that explains his absence from Dynamite last night. I cannot wait to see Isaiah Cassidy do his thing on AEW TV. Two thumbs all the way up, although I can use a little more Cody and a little less Lance Archer. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here to remind you that the man who is single-handedly changing Friday nights weighs in tonight at 246 pounds. He hails from Green Bay, Wisconsin. was so great what a trip down memory lane man i thought this guy was gonna be like the next john cena the next mega star of pro wrestling well of course during the time of mr kennedy john cena still wasn't quite as humongous as he became later on but nonetheless uh what you just heard was the former mr kennedy um from back in the day mr ken anderson he's in the news as he denies the claims that he was scamming students of his professional wrestling school. On Sunday, a Reddit user who claimed to be a student at Ken Anderson's wrestling school, The Academy School of Professional Wrestling, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, stated that the school has been closed for quite some time now, 
and hasn't resumed activities like other schools and gyms. The user claimed that students enrolled in the school for nearly two years have yet to receive any semblance of training, not even remote homework like tape study, character development, or promos. The user also pointed out that the school's website had been deactivated. Another Reddit user claimed to have signed up for a 30-minute free consultation only to show up to an empty warehouse at the time of the scheduled appointment. Another person claiming to be a student told Bodyslam.net that the reopening of the school has been postponed several times since they paid for classes 18 months ago with COVID and the lack of a facility being given as reasons. So Ken Anderson <laughs> would release a very lengthy statement regarding these allegations in a Facebook post. So I'm not going to read the entire statement verbatim, but the gist of it is that Ken Anderson has not been contacted directly regarding any of these allegations from neither the students nor from the dirt sheets who have ran with the story. He claims he and his good friend Sean Davari opened the wrestling school together and have trained many wrestlers who have competed all across the indie circuit and even some of whom call AEW their current employer. Unfortunately, COVID-19 threw a monkey wrench into everything and they chose to shut down and not reopen for proper safety precautions, as well as to scout a whole new building with new equipment and proper amenities for an even better wrestling school, which they are currently in discussion with the real estate agency to find a brand new location. Yeah, wrestling school ain't cheap, man. I mean, wrestling school can cost as much as it costs to get a CDL to drive a semi-truck. You know, average wrestling schools charge about $1,500 to $3,500. And the more prominent wrestling schools make you pay it all up front. No payments, no increments like some of the smaller, uh, lesser-known schools that offer payment plans. So just a heads up in case anybody <laughs> might be listening who wants to be a professional wrestler. I, I just wanted to talk about this story mainly just because Ken Kennedy, Mr. Kennedy, who became Mr. Anderson in Impact. What happened to this guy? Why Why was he fired, man? You know, as you heard in that clip, the guy just, he, he was gold, man. He had such a good entrance, a good character, a good look. I really thought he was going to be the next megastar for WWE. Like, real talk. I thought he was going to be, like, a humongous star who was going to be in movies. And, you know, basically, like, what Cena and Rock and Batista are right now. I thought he was going to be on that level. And he was headed in that direction. I know early on, I, I think he was in a movie. <laughs> I mean, WWE movies, say what you want about them. They, they actually do bring in quite a bit of revenue, apparently. Last time that I read... Even though they're, they're direct to DVD releases and whatnot, they typically bring in pretty decent uh, revenue for the company, which is why they're still around. But it, Mr. Kennedy, the trajectory for him seemed to be what I mentioned, a big top-of-the-line, top megastar for the company. And then he had a match with Randy Orton, where he apparently made a mistake on a backdrop and accidentally dropped Randy Orton almost on his head. 
Um, he injured John Cena prior to that. And that was the last straw. And they let him go. You know, I could understand something like that if it were a case like Nia Jax, who was nearly paralyzing people, like almost on a weekly basis. But Mr. Kennedy, Mr. Kennedy did not nearly paralyze people on a weekly basis. It, it was two mistakes he made in a big match with John Cena and a big match with Randy Orton. But because those were the golden goose at that time, they had to cut Mr. Kennedy because I'm pretty sure they also felt threatened by him because he was on that road to becoming a very big superstar. I mean, dude, Kennedy, I remember him feuding with Undertaker in like his rookie year with the company. That's how good Kennedy was. Now, I didn't see his TNA run, his Impact Wrestling run, because I, I, Impact Wrestling, it's just, I don't know, man. That's a, that's a company that just didn't have substance. You know what I mean? Like pretty much after 2008, I would say from that point forward, they just never had substance anymore. Um, to me, I just never felt, I never felt a, appealed to, to tune in to anything they were doing. So I didn't see his run, but I heard that he had a, he had a decent solid run there. Uh, but that's a shame, man. That's, that's the ultimate fall from grace story. And you know, I remember that, you know, Vince McMahon had a very weird storyline, right? Where he, uh, <laughs> he had a son. Like an illegitimate son or something like that who was gonna... A, a bastard, let's say. A bastard son. You know what I mean? And the rumor is that it was going to be revealed to be Kennedy. Because they did this whole gimmick where they were like, Oh, who is it? Who's the bastard son of Vince McMahon? Supposedly, he's here. He's on the roster, said the the attorney or whoever. I don't even remember. WWE with, with their really dumb storylines. But... uh. The rumor was Mr. Kennedy was going to be the illeg illegitimate son of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Um, they even did this thing where Vince walked away and then Mr. Kennedy walked away. And Kennedy did the exact same hobble, that same strut that Vince does, that signature strut. Kennedy did it exactly the same. He was so talented, man, that guy. But uh, <laughs> not just because of the strut. I'm just saying, like his overall... Uh, <clears throat> ring work and, and charisma, everything. But after he was fired, of course, that fell through. And it ended up being freaking Hornswoggle. <laughs> it ended up being Hornswoggle. So that's that. But um, Mr. Kennedy has to be, in my opinion, one of the biggest what-ifs in WWE history. Alright, guys. The final story I'm going to talk to you about. Mustafa Ali has approximately one year left on his WWE contract. Ali recently requested his release from WWE, but it was revealed that the company has no plans to grant him that departure. It was noted that value was a term used in the postponing, uh, in the reasoning behind the decision to keep Ali under contract. Val what did I tell y'all? <laughs> I have to cut myself off right there. What did I tell y'all? You know what I'm saying? Mustafa Ali is not a big star like The Rock or Steve Austin. He's not bringing any extra eyeballs to the product than anyone else on the roster. But because of those Saudi Arabia shows over there in, 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 in uh, Jeddah that they do, 
That's why they're keeping Ali around. I guarantee it. Nothing more, nothing less. That's all it comes down to. I guarantee it. What value is Ali bringing to the brand? You know what I mean? It, 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 that's all this comes down to. In an update, in an update, Fightful Select reports that Ali has well over a year at least left on his WWE contract, but there's no word on the exact expiration date. Apparently, not only was Mustafa Ali offered a spot into the Royal Rumble, but an undisclosed wrestler actually pitched for Ali to eliminate him, and thus came the tweets uh, which Ali sent that read, No, I do not want to be in the Rumble. I just want my release. So that explains that tweet. There was actually a wrestler pitching for Ali to eliminate him. <laughs> I wonder who. Incidentally, I, I don't think I mentioned this, but incidentally, uh, Nia Jax, Nia Jax uh, was also offered a surprise entrance spot in the Royal Rumble. Um, and she told them, fuck no. <laughs> she said, fuck no. <laughs> oh, man. And that's what I say, too. If, if, you know, for the prospect of seeing Nia Jax on my TV screen again, I say, fuck no. I don't want to see Nia Jax kill somebody on live television. Pay-per-view or not. A premium live event or not. Only time will tell, guys, if Mustafa Ali uh, rides out the rest of his year that he has left or if WWE actually puts him in some kind of substantial role. Perhaps uh, Ali goes AWOL. He busts a Jeff Hardy <laughs> and gets himself uh, released by way of shenanigans in that respect. Incidentally, uh, Jeff Hardy's test results came back and he did test negative. He did not have any drugs in his system. Um, so I guess the pundits were right. And Jeff was doing a charade to get himself released. I think that's very unprofessional. I think that's very... Um, that's uh, that's off-putting for a, vet a veteran like him who's been in the business for so long. And he himself has been in controversy. Like his match with Sting at that TNA wrestling pay-per-view. I'll never forget it. Where he was high as hell. And Sting was very visibly upset. Because Jeff Hardy, he couldn't work. He was too high to take any moves. Um, he, he's just looking like a fool out there. And now this, he, he does this charade to get himself fired. I'm, I'm guessing if he tested negative. Um, why else couldn't he finish that match at that house show? And looking sluggish. Looking all, you know, like he was on something. So that's very unprofessional if, you know. If he did that intentionally, he should have just left and never showed up back to a WWE show. Not that that's any less unprofessional, but at least you're not during a match. You're not breaking kayfabe and walking through the fans and not able to do your duty as a performer and finish. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. That's just my opinion. Maybe that's a hot take. I think that's very unprofessional. Um, and the speculation is running amok of Jeff Hardy reuniting with Matt in AEW. I don't care to see that, but I'm pretty sure it's inevitable. Tony Khan is a big mark. Um, he, if, you know, he's going to sign Jeff Hardy in some form or fashion. I can see it. I wish Mustafa Ali the very best, man, as he rides this wave for one more year. I, I would hate, you know, 
just the idea of being held hostage somewhere where you don't want to work no more that's a very frightening prospect you know what i mean um i mean hell maybe mustafa maybe jeff hardy was justified <laughs> and acting like a, a looney tune that night and getting himself fired maybe mustafa ali should do the same thing it's unnecessary all you got to do is just go home and never show back up Nonetheless, guys, I want to thank you very much for joining me on the Highlight Reel. Very long episode here. I hope you listen while you're driving or um, doing something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, if you've made it this far, God bless you. Um, thank you so much for supporting me, supporting this podcast. Um, don't forget to wash your hands and don't forget to wash your ass. And please, guys, tip your waitresses. And tip your Lyft drivers. I'm about to get back out there right now. As soon as I publish this episode, I'm going to get out there. Um, I'll see you guys on the other side. Adios.